You're listening to AIB Market Talk, bringing you financial market insights from AIB's experts. Hello and welcome to our AIB Market Update on Tuesday the 22nd of August 2023. I'm Jane Kavner from the AIB Corporate Treasury Desk and I am joined this week by AIB Senior Economist John Fahey to discuss the recent shift in the outlook for interest rates and the impact on the currency markets. So John, not unusually for our podcast, let's start with interest rates where the market's focus has this year been on the hikes and when they might end and that's relatively unchanged but I suppose a significant enough change in the expectations now looking further out. Yeah, and we detail this in, in our, our, our latest weekly, but to sum it up as, as succinctly as possible, it's basically the, what the market's looking at now is is a higher for longer outlook uh, in terms of uh, interest rates. So just to, on, around the specifics on that, if you look uh, from the ECB viewpoint in terms of what the market's pricing in there, uh, the market's probably pricing one more rate hike uh, from the ECB, so that would see the deposit rate peak at 4%. Uh, but when you look out to next year, uh, as we move through 2025, you know, the market has rates getting back down towards three and a quarter percent and getting towards three percent uh, into 25. So basically, uh, the outlook uh, is that market sees uh, rates being cut next year into 25, uh, but then the deposit rate settling near to three percent. So that's quite a contrast from what we're used to over the last 10 years in the eurozone. If you think the deposit rate was in negative territory at minus 0.5. Uh, from a Bank of England viewpoint, uh, we did see a little bit of move in the peak expectations there in the last week or so because the trend for the last while has been UK economy uh, performing much better uh, than expected. Uh, and we've seen that in the most recent GDP data. So the markets, uh, you know, pricing towards 6% for the Bank of England uh, as a peak rate there. But, you know, generally speaking, where we've been over the last couple of weeks is a peak in the bank rate somewhere around uh, 5.75 to 6%. So if you think at the moment the bank rate's at at 5.25%. So the market's, you know, undecided whether it's going to be another 50 base points or 75 base points overall. But then again, into next year, this is where the change come. Markets are anticipating rate cuts uh, and they see the bank rate in the UK getting back towards five and a quarter percent and settling in at around four and a half percent as we move from 2025 into 26. Uh, but, you know, from where we are in terms of the UK bank rate and where that settles is, 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 is much higher than the market's been accustomed to uh, over the last couple of years and, and finally and last but by no means least in the us uh, you know the markets is where it's pricing and where futures contracts are it's of the view that the fed is done it's peaked now the fed themselves in june in their interest rate update their dot plot as we call it was uh you know not ruling out uh, another rate hike so it's already it's peaking 25 base points uh, from where they are at the moment and uh, now the market's saying, no, that's not likely to happen. It's pricing that rates are at their current levels in around 5.3%. It's where they'll peak. Uh, and it sees rates getting back towards, you know, 4, 4.1, 4.2% uh, by the end of next year. And as you move into 25 towards 26, US rates set a near 3.6%. So it's not that long ago, rates in the US were practically uh, at zero. So, you know, net net, what all this means is that, you know, we're close to the peak. Uh, in rates across those three jurisdictions, if not already at the peak uh, in the US. Uh, and then you mentioned in your intro there, the focus then shifts to next year, 2024, when do we get rate cuts and how much of that happens in 24 into 25. But I would say the change in the last couple of weeks is uh, that the market sees rates uh, settling at a higher level 
than where previously they would have envisaged a couple of months ago. And we've seen that move then in terms of bond yields, longer dated bond yields. We've seen significant moves uh, in UK and US Treasury yields. Uh, less of a move in Eurozone yields, but still uh, upward move generally in bond yields. Uh, and last week, and indeed, if you look at August, where we are at the moment, we're getting towards the end of August, uh, you know, that higher interest rate outlook uh, and higher for longer, uh, you know, has impacted investor sentiment. Uh, and we've seen falls in the S&P uh, over the course of August at the moment, month to date of around 5%. Similarly, in Europe falls around 5% in some of the main equity indices there. So investor sentiment doesn't like this outlook, but rates higher for longer uh, against the backdrop of higher yields. That's what the market's pricing at the moment. And John, like this change then being driven by diminishing risk of recession, growing expectations of a softer landing for the world economy. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, that's that kind of covers it pretty much. So that's the primary driver is higher for longer rate outlook is the backdrop because, you know, at the start of this year and towards the end of last year, if you'd have been listening to our podcast, uh, you would have, uh, you know, seen that we, you know, the outlook looked fairly challenging for all the key advanced economies, especially the UK. But what we've seen on a year-to-date basis is, you know, consistently over the last couple of months, data coming in better than expected, an upward revision uh, to uh, growth forecast for those advanced economies uh, on that side. So, you know, reduced risk of a session, uh, and the market seems to be more comfortable around the idea of soft landing uh, for the world economy. Although, you know, we're still, in terms of where we are, if you look in the US, still a big risk there around credit crunch, much tighter credit conditions there. So I wouldn't say you could completely rule out that but that's what the market's comfortable with at the moment is that uh, there's reduced risk of recession uh, and increased prospect of a soft landing uh, and that's just based on the incoming macro data activity indicators in terms of labor market growth indicators uh, suggest that so that has been the key driver of the fact that markets think well rates may be not at their peak uh, but previously, the market was thinking that uh, central banks would uh, have to cut interest rates substantially because they're going to slow growth too much. Uh, but now it's thinking that they won't have to cut them to the same extent uh, as previously. So that's been the driver of it. Yes, Jane. So can I just summarise it then for our customers, because there's a lot in it, I suppose. Um, ECB peaking at 4%, cuts of up to about 100 basis points, bringing it back down to 3% and remaining here through for a few years yeah that, that's, that's what's pricing at the moment now obviously things can change around pretty quickly but as we talk today that's what the market is pricing the current guidance and then the fed again expected to fall to 375 next year but again staying there for a couple of years again caveating strongly this is the current guidance and, and we have seen that change and then the Bank of England peaking at 575, talk of 6%, but 575 and falling by about 75 basis points to 5% and expected equally to remain at these levels then for a few years. Yeah, and in terms of our house use, that's what's priced in my markets. Our view would be here that the Fed has peaked, rates mm-hmm. are at their peak levels and will start to fall uh, as we move through next year. Uh, from an ECB perspective, we see the peak at 4%. Uh, and in the UK, we're probably not as aggressive as what's currently priced into the market. The market's probably close to 6%. Uh, our house view would be it's probably close to 5 and 3 quarter. Okay, so it's not going to be about the peaks we'll be talking about going forward. It'll be the, the troughs effect here, or the floors. Yeah, that's, the focus is going to all be about when do the cuts happen and what sure. extent as we move through this year into next year. Sure. Well, then I suppose let's move on to the foreign exchange side, but in that shift in expectations and the relevant move in yields and market rates, 
uh, has seen the euro losing a grasp really on the 109 handle against the dollar and 86p against sterling. So what can we expect? Yeah, because if you think uh, what we've seen in the, in the last couple of weeks, uh, it's been easy enough to explain the moves in, 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 in currency markets because there has been less of a shift needed in euro rate expectations where we've seen more of a change in terms of where those uh, low points will be in the cutting cycle when it does come in US and U- uh, and UK rates. So because of that, uh, we've seen uh, uh, relative moves higher in both sterling and dollar uh, market rate and uh, bond yields. So that supported both of their currencies. Uh, so in other words, the euro's lost ground based on uh, evolving interest rate differentials. So you mentioned there, uh, you know, euro dollar hasn't been able to hold above uh, the 109 level. Uh, it's not that long ago we were back up at 110. We even briefly traded at, at 112 uh, earlier in the summer. Uh, and it's also been noticeable euro against sterling. We've struggled to hold 86p and fallen below that level. And what has been noticeable in terms of the three key currencies, euro, sterling and the dollar, has been that uh, overall of the three, sterling is probably in the firmest of the performers uh, because in contrast, uh, the market anticipates the Bank of England has still at least 50 to 75 base points of rate hikes to come, whereas in the US, the market thinks the Fed has peaked. So that's why we've seen cable regain that 127 level uh, against the dollar. So when you look at it, uh, you can see the clear uh, relationship, uh, which is what you would expect between moves in relative interest rates uh, or swap rates uh, vis-a-vis then what's happening in the respective currencies. Uh, so that's that's what's explained those moves. So at the moment, the euro is, is under pressure. Our, our view would still, our house view would still be as we move to this year into next year, uh, that euro dollar can start to regain some momentum uh, and get back up towards that 112 level. First of all, the key thing is it has to make a sustained break against uh, above 110. So that's what we've been waiting for all summer. We've spent a period above it. Uh, so that 110 really if, uh, was to say, What's the key level to look out for in euro dollar uh, to consolidate uh, any sort of renewed upward momentum is that it needs to sustain a break against that 110 level uh, over the next couple of months. But we do think that's possible as we move into end year where, you know, focus in the US could be turned to a much weaker US economic outlook if there's much tighter credit conditions, uh, Fed rate cuts, whereas from an ECB viewpoint, you could have the ECB uh, not cutting rates. Uh, either hiking or pausing at those current levels, which may be supportive of the euro against the dollar. But 110 is really the key level that euro dollar has to sustain a break above. And and over the last couple of months, it's spent time above it, but it hasn't been able to hold that level. Mm. Can I put my dollar bull hat on here then, John, and ask just if the credit crunch doesn't materialise. And again, looking at euro dollar, I mean, you mentioned 110 from what I was looking at, we haven't really seen it hold that 110 through, except through a period back in April, I think it was, yeah. um, this year. So if that credit crunch doesn't materialise, is there a chance that euro dollar will hold below 110 as we move towards the end of the year? Yeah, that would have tipped the balance a bit back uh, back towards uh, uh, the dollar from that viewpoint. All right. Now, it's not specifically that there has to be a definitive credit crunch like the credit crunch we saw uh, during the, mm. the great financial crisis. But we do think that much tighter credit conditions, we've seen that already come through in the US, uh, that's likely to have a bigger impact uh, on underlying activity. Uh, So far, we've seen resilience, but as we move into this year, into next year, uh, we expect to see that would have more of an impact on the US economy, more of a dampening impact 
uh, on the US economy. But as we've seen this year, sterling's a, a clear example mm. of better economic outlook versus expectations uh, turns around the fortunes of your currency. And we've seen that uh, with sterling this year. So, uh, you know, you can't rule that out. But I suppose where we see the balance of risks is more so for some upside uh, from euro dollar. But even the levels we see getting towards isn't exactly breakout new mm. ranges drastic from where we are at the moment. But that 110 is the key level to keep an eye out for there. And uh, euro sterling then, that's about what half a penny above the low for the year where we are uh, currently. Expectations for that? Yeah, in terms of our house you, you know, forecast, which we publish uh, in our in our weekly and also our FX monthly, we have a slight upside bias in euro against sterling. At the moment, sterling's got momentum. Uh, but, uh, you know, where we are with levels is pretty close to where we were expecting them to be. What we would say is we probably see it getting back up above 86p. It's only slightly below it at the moment, getting up towards 86, 87p as we move into the first half of next year, but drastically not hugely changed levels from, from where we see them trading at the moment. I can't help it, the bearish in the euro, but that's just me, you see. So, anyway, let me move on then, John. We have a number of customers with an exposure to yen. And while we've talked about the potential for volatility across the majors, with which we're more familiar with, I suppose, um, if you will, the fall of the Japanese currency has been somewhat prolific. I mean, what are we at? The euro with a 15 year high against the yen? Yeah, so I suppose we have a new central bank head in terms of the Bank of Japan, and there had been some expectation that the Bank of Japan had tweaked slightly. Uh, it's it's monetary policy which suggested or well, maybe the Bank of Japan is is changing course because it's still very much the laggard it hasn't changed its uh, official interest rate policy it's done slight stuff to its yield curve control mm. uh, slight tweaks to that but that hasn't materialized uh, so again we talk about the euro struggling in the last couple of weeks because it's just relative moves but it's been even more the case uh, for the yen because the Bank of Japan has not given any indication yet that it's about to move away uh, from its uh, negative interest rate strategy. Uh, so that's hampered the yen very much so. And if you look at dollar yen, we got back up towards and above that 146 level where we were previously. So at the moment, uh, the yen is definitely under pressure because of that contrasting monetary policy stance. Now, what we did see is when the market was speculating and some soundings coming from the Bank of Japan may be that they were about to change course, we saw the yen's fortunes move around very quickly. So I think that's the key thing for the yen to regain any sort of momentum. You have to see the Bank of Japan uh, start to move away or give indication that it's close to moving away uh, from its current interest rate strategy. Uh, and that could cause a big shift and, 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 uh, and increase volatility again in that. But at the moment, uh, we're not hearing anything from the Bank of Japan. That perspective, which is why the currency uh, is under pressure. Uh, and as you mentioned there, euro yen or dollar yen, those levels of, of 157 to 158 in terms of euro yen or 145 to 146 in dollar yen is, is just representative mm -hmm. uh, of that uh, contrast with the respective central banks. You know, the ECB, the Fed have been hiking. Uh, have a tightening policy, whereas the Bank of Japan has been very much uh, on hold in terms of any interest rate policy changes. Uh, we better have a quick look then, John, throughout the rest of the week. Not a huge amount in the calendar. Our PMIs will uh, clearly be closely watched. We have the ECB minutes, and I guess the calendar highlight is really Jackson Hole, if you want to take it away. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it depends what your perspective is. <laughs> Economists can get more excited than maybe you, Jane, on certain data. But uh, if you look, uh, I suppose the key data releases the flash PMIs for August. Uh, you know, the PMIs, there's been a clear divergence in the PMIs. 
uh, not geographically by sector. The manufacturing sectors have been below 50, which is consistent with contraction, uh, whereas the services sectors across the US, the UK, and the Eurozone have been uh, above 50, which signifies expansion. So in August, the flash readings are expected just to show a similar variance in performance. Manufacturing can, can continue to struggle and contract, uh, whereas the services continue to expand. Although we have seen the rate of expansion in the service, the rate of growth slow over the last while, from a monetary policy viewpoint, yeah, the focus is going to be on Jackson Hole. Kicks off Thursday evening, uh, Friday into Saturday. Uh, so not only have you uh, Fed Chair due to speak uh, Powell, but you also have the ECB President of the Guard. The focus is really going to be on what the Fed speakers, the raft of Fed speakers say. But I think the market could be disappointed if they think they're going to get any firm guidance because the market's pricing, the Fed's peaked. Uh, so they'd look to see, do any views confirm mm. that? But I don't think the Fed are going to uh, you know, be any way definitive in their guides as to what to expect from their se September 20th uh, meeting because they've emphasised now they're in a meeting-by-meeting -meeting approach and very much data-dependent. Uh, so I don't think uh, if you're look, going to get clear guidance, it's not going to, you're going to be disappointed this week as regards September or clear guidance that the Fed are happy that rates have now peaked and they don't need to hike again. I think they're going to keep their options open from that perspective. So the Fed are not going to excite me this weekend, and unless I'm around on Saturday tuned in, yes. I won't know until Monday. Okay, John, I think we might wrap it up there for this podcast. There's an awful lot in it. Many thanks for the always comprehensive update, and a big thanks indeed to all our listeners for joining us on our podcasts. Indeed, if our listeners have any questions you would like raised next time in our podcast, and you can remain anonymous, please do drop me a line. As always, to stay up to date with latest market developments, please subscribe to AIB's Market Talk wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk to you again the next time. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. AIB NI is a trademark used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.